and welcome to Rebel Hearts, a podcast dedicated to the rebel girls and riot girls in the music industry and why they matter. Each episode will feature songs by bands you just need to hear. So if you think you're ready, I will see you in the front. Hey guys, and welcome back to Rebel Hearts. This is episode 18. I have a lot of articles today, but not a specific theme, just all good articles I wanted to share that I've had for a couple of weeks, but didn't get to tie them into the last episode much, so I'm going to talk about them today. So to start off, Taylor Swift has officially won her sexual assault case, and I just came upon this article I really found super interesting from Salon.com. It's titled, Stop Calling Taylor Swift's Self-Serving Brand of Feminism Universal, and I found it super interesting to read. It's not very long, so here it is. It says, this week, Taylor Swift was victorious in a countersuit against DJ David Mueller, who allegedly groped Swift at a meet and greet event in Denver in 2013. Mueller sued the pop singer and claimed that he was fired from his job because of pressure from Swift's team and also that he was innocent. Swift successfully countersued him for a symbolic $1. Shortly after the verdict came in, Swift, 27 released a statement in which she thanked her attorneys and anyone who feels silenced by a sexual assault, she said. I acknowledge the privilege that I benefit from in this life, in society, and in my ability to shoulder the enormous cost of defending myself in a trial like this. My hope is to help those whose voices should also be heard. Therefore, I will be making donations in the near future to multiple organizations that help sexual assault victims defend themselves. Therefore, news outlets were quick to dub this win in Swift's statement her long-awaited political awakening, attacked for her silence during the 2016 presidential election and over the Black Lives Matter movement, Taylor Swift has, by countersuing a man who groped her, finally made a universal feminist statement, The Guardian wrote. Swift has been known to wave the feminist banner only when it directly benefits her. During her album of the year acceptance speech at the 2016 Grammys, she spoke to young women. There are going to be people along the way who are going to try and undercut your success or take credit for your accomplishments or your fame, she said. Sounds empowering, but really it was just a clap back to Kanye West's rap line and in general to a public dispute that seemed more about hoping in hopping in on Taylor Swift's victim playing brand than actual anger or fame female empowerment. There was also the cringe-worthy time Swift attempted to silence Nicki Minaj's valid critiques of the way black women are marginalized in entertainment, one in which she never actually mentioned Swift's name. Swift claimed victim again and, and accused Minaj of pitting women against each other, a clear undercutting of Minaj's remarks and a sort of affirmation of the racism black female entertainers experience regularly. But when Swift, that's nothing new. But with Swift, that's nothing new, sorry. She continues to take and profit from black culture without ever acknowledging the oppression and systematic racism black people face in the U.S. She sent her condolences to the lives lost in Manchester, yet was silenced in the immediate wake of the white supremacist terrorism in Charlottesville. Terrorism committed by the very folks who uphold her as the Aryan goddess. She's been equally silent about every other police brutality incident that took a black life. 
Given all that, when people are quick to name Swift as a feminist, and in this particular case, a universal hero for women, you may you have to wonder what women they're really talking about. Certainly, Swift's victory is a good thing. Sexual assault perpetrators deserve a conviction and punishment, just as sexual assault victims deserve justice. Yet, Swift's win as a wealthy, famous, conventionally attractive white woman isn't one that's universal. It doesn't mean the next woman will be believed by her family, in her workplace, or by the police she reports it to. Never mind the likelihood of the case taken to court, nor it resulting in a victory. As well, it's doubtful that perpetrators will be deterred because of it. Looting Swift's legal victory and subsequent statement as evidence of her advocacy for sexual assault victims is puzzling, considering she wouldn't even denounce the presidential candidate accused of it. The true test of Taylor Swift's political voice will be when and if she uses her platform and power to speak up when doing things that don't directly benefit her. Then I found another article from Westworld.com titled Taylor Swift's lawsuit was a slap in the face of rape victims. In her story, Speak Now, a fan's take on Taylor Swift's trial, Westworld reporter Leela Thulin wrote about her experience reporting from the front row of the Taylor Swift sexual assault trial and addresses some of the ethical dilemmas journalists face when covering such cases. In the piece, Thulin thanks Swift for standing up against workplace sexual assault and argues that we should all support the pop star in pursuing justice. Not every reader agrees with Thulin, though. Alex writes, I'm really glad a famous white woman was able to overcome a small injustice. While there are literally millions of women, all ages and races, who are unable to report and persecute violent sexual crimes against them because of their class or economic status. Taylor's lawsuit was a slap in the face to rape victims who have to sit with that what happened with them for the rest of their lives. Grabbing someone's ass is inappropriate and not allowed, but it is not anywhere near the level of being raped. The sad thing is, Taylor has convinced herself that this is a victory for all women, when in reality, it is a selfish victory only for Taylor and Taylor alone. There is a 10-year-old incest victim in India that just had to birth a child conceived by rape. She will never get justice. I myself almost bled to death from being raped while a sophomore at University of Rhode Island. No cops are called to the ER. I will never see justice. All I see is people like Taylor, who are already privileged speaking out on microaggressions while there are violent crimes being committed against millions of women and no one will ever know nor be punished. Shame on you, Taylor. Thulin does say this paragraph in her article that I will end this on. She says, even Taylor Swift will tell you that she's not your average woman. A statement released minutes after her trial victory read, in part, I acknowledge the privilege that I benefit from in life, in society, and in my ability to shoulder the enormous cost of defending myself in a trial like this. I will be making donations in the near future to multiple organizations to that help sexual assault victims defend themselves. This tangible step and her countersuit are the sorts of concrete action that largely a political singer has been critiqued for foregoing in the past. Yes, Swift has been criticized as a spineless white feminist whose version of female solidarity is a hashtag squad or zero-size supermodel strutting around a soundstage in black leather to a diss track about Katy Perry, or as someone whose Lena Dunham-rooted feminism surfaces only for the sake of opics and lacks a grasp of intersexuality. Her sexual assault suit doesn't excuse past shortcomings. None of us are perfect, but in this moment, Swift deserves vocal support. All right. So I mentioned in the last episode how Taylor Swift has been under fire about her brand of feminism, and it's really difficult to have a stance on this because on one hand, you can call it white feminism, but 
also her platform doesn't mean that she absolutely has to talk about anything. Taylor Swift hasn't been one of those people that I have seen take a stand on really anything. And honestly, just because she's popular doesn't mean that she has to publicly stand for or against anything. I mean, does it suck that her platform isn't being used to educate and raise awareness? Totally. But that doesn't mean that we should attack her. I mean, let's take Rihanna, for example. She was assaulted by Chris Brown many years ago, and she could have become the spokesperson or this advocate for domestic violence, but she didn't. And that's okay. But when people are super popular, it really is up to them. And as shitty as it may be, it's the reality. Also, Taylor recognized in her statement her privilege, and I really believe that she understands it now. I will say that this groping case in comparison to other forms of sexual assault is barely even on the same scale, and I do not believe that this is going to feel like everybody who has ever been raped or assaulted has all of a sudden received justice because a famous white woman was touched inappropriately and was able to hire a team and win very easily. But her intentions were in the right place, and I give her credit for it because no matter what, standing up to somebody who did something inappropriate to you and have to retell it in an awful situation it's just shitty no matter what groping is still uncalled for and inappropriate maybe doesn't fall under the umbrella of assault but it is still not okay and i'm glad that at least she got her justice even as even if as many people that she'd hoped for didn't really get justice from it also a lot of people chose not to talk about their political views and you know what that's none of anyone's business either yes we were involved in a really horrific presidential election and speaking up and out was a really big thing to do during the election cycle but again it is not a requirement when you are a famous celebrity i don't want to go on and on about this because no matter what her winning and her donations are both awesome things and we should be celebrating this victory so On a lighter note with Taylor Swift, Taylor has also made all her social media platforms blank and people are speculating she's about to drop new music. So that era should be really cool and it should be upon us soon. So I'm going to take a break and I'm going to play you guys the first song of today. It's by a band that sadly isn't around anymore, but I love them dearly and I really wanted to play them in case you guys never heard about them. They're a band called Be Your Own Pet and they were around from 2004 to 2008 and they're actually from Nashville, Tennessee. Fronted by the powerful Jamina Pearl, who arguably was the Kathleen Hanna of the early 2000s, Pearl did some solo stuff from 2009 to 2013 and was also briefly in this band called Ultras SC from 2012 to 2013. Beer on Pet was awesome. They were loud, they were aggressive, and they were truly missed. This song is called Bunk Trunk Skunk from their 2006 record that is self-titled. This is my favorite song by the band. So here it is, Bunk Trunk Skunk.
Again, that was the song Bunk Chunk Skunk by the band Be Your Own Pet, who sadly aren't around anymore, but all their music is still online for download and purchase. They're actually also on iTunes. I actually purchased the song from iTunes, even though I have it on my iPod. I was too lazy to get my other laptop and get it, so I rebought it for 99 cents. So I'm going to get away from the Taylor Swift case and move on to some more topics. I want to talk to you guys about homophobia in our music scene and what is considered homophobic. In 2015, the shoegaze band Weir was dropped from Run for Cover Records due to a string of homophobic and transphobic tweets that were aimed at the trans punk band Gloss around the time that they were announcing their breakup. So this is from Alternative Press in 2015. It says San Francisco shoegaze rock band Weir are currently under fire for recent transphobic comments made on Twitter, mostly regarding punk band Gloss, who released a relentless ripper of a demo EP at the beginning of 2015. Since Weir's tweets made the sounds, Run For Cover Records, a label Weir has worked with on at least a few releases, announced that they were no longer going to be working with the band due to their behavior. So I'm going to read the tweets to you guys right now. First one says, LOL at Gloss. And then it said, there's nothing... There's literally nothing not hilarious about that quote-unquote band. And then it says, misogyny is hating women women gloss is just a bunch of boys running around in panties making shitty music and then they also touched on suicide because awesome right lol attempting suicide if you're gonna do it do it right the first time and then it says nah that's an actual stance on suicide my mom committed suicide why can't all these trans kids get it right so then run for cover said we as individuals and as a label are accepting of all people and require the same from the bands and people we work with we will not be working with we're from this point on and do not support that behavior in any way we will post a full statement tomorrow gloss is awesome and crucially important and we need more bands like them so good on run for cover i love run for cover records they put out a lot of my favorite uh records a lot of my favorite bands they followed me on twitter and i spoken to them many times and they're just awesome people so it's really cool that they took that stance and continuing on with another ap article actually from 2014 it talks about a band i've personally never listened to and that band is called attila and they're being asked by census fail singer buddy nelson why they think it's okay to use the word faggot i apologize for using that slur but i kind of have to in this context so i apologize AP wrote, Attila have been on the defensive since the debut of their new song, Pro, uh, Proving Ground, sorry. In the song, which is about as offensive as you'd expect from Attila, singer Chris Franz shouts, so who's the faggot now? Census fail Buddy Nelson is no stranger to taking a stand against bands like Attila. If you remember, Nelson famously went after crunk band Broken Side after touring with them in 2009. Who doesn't remember Broken Side, right? So it's as good. It's so it's a good bet that he's the one behind the census fail Twitter account saying this. It said by census fail. This is from October. 2014 it says how many times can attila insult the lgbtq community in three minutes i lost count so then after that franz responded if you think i'm homophobic in any way possible you're clearly either an idiot or you're in a washed up band that nobody cares about i hope when i'm old and shot i can find better ways to get pressed than to talk shit about other bands half my age ha 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 i'm too smart for that so then buddy i'm assuming or the census fail account it's he says not talking shit just asking you to think twice about using the word faggot is that really such a bad thing to ask and then Franz says it's 2014 brah 
Get over it. Don't get offended by a silly word. I've never used it in a derogatory context. Gay people rule. I honestly wish the world was gay. The world would be a better place. And then I guess, oh yeah, so Franz wrote this. He said, public announcement. The song Proving Grounds is about how when people doubt you, you would prove them wrong. Turn their hatred into positivity. People have always talked shit to me in my entire life, and I've used it as a positive influence to work harder. People always try to make me feel bad and call me a quote-unquote faggot. But who's the faggot now? Just take it for what it is, be positive, and become the best you can be. Sincerely, Franz. So then... Census fail said also didn't say you were homophobic at all just thought the word just thought the overuse of the f word in your new song needed to be mentioned so then he said it's 2014 that world that word shouldn't be used i know most of what you do is just for show i just think you should leave that word out i'm sure you are a cool dude the use of the word faggot is definitely in itself derogatory and then someone said to buddy but saying i want to kill you i want to kill you you'll eat your heart out is not offensive okay i love it how census fail always finds a way to be in battle with young bands like we all grew up on you guys stop hating so that's that's a whole nother conversation in itself but good on buddy for taking a stance on that and he's totally right the word faggot is a derogatory term rooted in hate as Macklemore said. <laughs> Another musician who has been under fire for using the word is guitarist of Deaf Heaven. His name is Carrie McCoy. It says, hold on, let me read you guys the tweets. These are all from uh, late 2011 to early 2012. I'll read you guys all of them really quick. So from 2011, it says, thanks gigantic faggot. These are all at people, by the way, guys. This one says, thanks, gigantic faggot. No, bought it off some faggot kid in Pennsylvania. Gear's fine, but we got to leave it here. Uh, drunk head is okay, but I like ramen. Oh, he's talking about bands, I guess. And you're a huge faggot for not liking Waka. Pussy nerd. George is a faggot. Slowly die faggot. I do. I just love giving this faggot Drew shit. He says like a bunch of them. I really don't want to say faggot anymore, guys. I'm really sorry, but I just can't do it. But there's a bunch of tweets. And two years ago, a member of the band Russian Circles was asked about it, both the Deaf Heaven comments and the weird tweets. He was asked, your thoughts on Carrie from Deaf Heaven making homophobic slurs, granted it's a bit dated, or the recent discovery of weird members being transphobic. And then he responded, for the sake of readers at home who might not be up to date on the current controversies of Bay Area indie shoegaze punk bands, here's the scoop. Five years ago, Carrie from Death Heaven would occasionally call a couple of his friends fags on Twitter when they were arguing over music stuff. I don't condone it, but I'm not really bothered by it either. If I were to get upset every time I heard that somebody I respected once dropped the F-bomb, I probably wouldn't respect any English-speaking males. Coincidentally, I stumbled across some old tour journals of mine that uh, this weekend, and I wrote when I was around the same age as Carrie when he posted those tweets and dropped an f bomb or two in those pages. Like Carrie, I was using the word in the Louis C.K. manner, but I'm an out gay man, and my epithets are in a private journal. Carrie's crime is being straight and posting these things online at a time before Deaf Heaven had an audience. Ultimately, I don't condone using the word faggot, period. Sorry, Louie. But considering Carrie has a lesbian mom and a bunch of gay friends, myself included, I think that there are far more pressing issues to the LGBTQIA community than some juvenile name calling between friends. 
such as the whole weird scenario, openly mocking and shaming a band because of their trans members. Wow, what a bunch of assholes. Seriously, what kind of grown adult feels he has to troll people in order to get attention? It's one thing to use ignorant language, but it's a whole other ball of wax to straight up attack someone online for their race, ethnicity, gender, orientation, etc. The bummer is that I've known Joey from Weir for years and he's a quiet, sweet, solid dude, but he's also not the guy in the band who really who continually tries to start shit with other people online. It's really disheartening to see such flagrant malicious prejudice in a musical community that's supposed to be more enlightened and progressive than mainstream America. This is some fucking Ted Nugent shit. Now, I promise you guys, I did not set out to find articles about only men using that word. It just happened. However, I know women aren't innocent, but I do feel a majority of the people who use that slur are actually men. I do actually have a woman I am going to talk to to you guys about, and she is guilty of homophobia, and she is Azalea Banks. Now, there's a Tumblr account dedicated to problematic people, and they have put up a couple tweets from Azalea that have been aimed at the LGBTQ community. It says, on September 13, 2013, she tweeted, they said I look like the T word, I guess, uh, tranny, from Orange is the New Black with a bunch of sad faces. She later deleted the tweet, but she never apologized. She doesn't really apologize for anything that I've noticed. And then there's another one that said, send a woman a trans misogynistic Twitter message saying you look like you have a big dick. Oh, you look like you have a dick, not a big dick, just a dick. And then it says lyrics to us. She got that Adam's apple and she asked about that fashion and we passed her with that laughter. And then there's other ones, apparently tweets to Angel Hayes, including you have an Adam's apple though. And sir, please fix your tuck. Your dick is showing. And then tweets to Perez Hilton saying, LOL, what a messy F word you are. She sort of, but not really apologized by saying my most... My most sincere apologies to anyone who is indirectly offended by my foul language. Not sorry for Perez, though. LOL. Now, Spin did an article showcasing all the problematic things that she had said in just one interview with The Guardian. And that reads, A week ago today, Azalea Banks caught the music listening world off guard with the surprise release of her long-promised, forever-delayed debut LP, Broke With Expensive Taste. The album was a barnstormer, a genre hopscotching, hour-long bumper car ride through her career to date reminding us all why we found the singer rapper so compelling in the first place and earning back a ton of the public goodwill she squandered some with two years worth of petty twitter feuds and eyebrow raising quotes about gay slur usage today british newspaper the guardian published a new interview with banks we truly hope you enjoyed that week of only talking about azalea in the context of how awesome broke with expensive taste is because now it's back to our regularly scheduled programming of recontouring all of her controversial explosive comments made about fellow celebrities gay people and herself and then it makes a whole list of all the shit that she said in this guardian interview it says a representative sampling on disc- i want to punch one of them in the face the little one possibly guy lawrence it says in parentheses the ugly one i want to hit him so bad i saw him at the airport in australia and i came over to him and i was like hello like what are you going to do with this song and he was just being a dickhead i started crying i was so angry i wanted to hit him i cannot stand that little boy with all those pimples around his mouth i love their music though 
And then she apparently had things to say on the band, the Stone Roses. She said, I was dating this tour manager and we stopped dating. She explains, I didn't want to fire him, but I wanted to bring my new boyfriend on tour. So he did something really stupid where he had dinner with the Stone Roses and he made a pact with them to have one of the roadies come on my stage and sound check during my set. Whatever, I broke his heart and it was unfair. I kind of deserved it, but don't fuck with my stage or I'll kill you. Guardian said that she followed that up by wishing nothing but excrement and death on the group, calling them old, saggy, white, and words. I refuse to say that word. On gay men and the use of the word faggot, a lot of gay men are way more misogynistic than straight men. The shit they say about women behind their backs, it's like, wow, oh my God, you can be a straight faggot, you can be a gay faggot, a faggot is anybody that hates women. It's like, y'all sing along to my words when I'm saying the N-word and cunt, but as soon as I call this one white man a faggot, the whole world exploded. Listen, I didn't say all gay men are faggots, I said Perez. Hilton is one. So don't try and bring the rest of the gays down with your faggotry on her taste in men. It says, I love Drake. Drake's cool, but like really older white guys. Not like really old, like 50s and 60s, but late 30s, 40s, maybe early 50s. I did date a guy in his 50s. That's like my thing. You just like what you like. I was telling my sister, La Kimba, who is gay, it's just like being gay. When you're gay, you're gay. Why am I black? I don't know. I'm black. While her comments don't signal the end of the world, and it's not anywhere near the end of our enjoyment of the work done on Broke with Expensive Taste, it's probably the end of it feeling so refreshing to have banks back in our lives. Bummer. So I mentioned in episode 17, I don't want to create a negative space or hating on anyone in this podcast, but Azalea has made an entire career out of being problematic, and I needed to highlight at least some of the things that she has said to raise awareness that she's not only been homophobic, but she's just been everything under the sun. She's just kind of the worst when it comes to the things that she says on the internet it's just ridiculous and I want you guys to understand that the f word is not okay even if you are gay even if it's to your friend no matter what it's just not okay and I will bet you if you ask anybody in the LGBTQ community if that word offends them then the answer is most likely most likely yes and also as I just stated before as Macklemore said it's a word rooted in hate and I mean, is it earth shattering? No, but it's offensive and used to break somebody down and is so commonly used by a majority of straight people and it just needs to stop altogether. So moving on to LGBTQ musicians that are not problematic, Laura Jane Grace, Mina Caputo and Lynn Gunn did a panel for the APMAs a month ago where they talked about safe spaces and a lot of other things in their hour in some odd minutes uh, panel. Something I have spoken about a bunch already in previous episodes, which is the safe space argument. This is what Mina, Laura, and Lynn had to say about it at the panel. This is our first one from Demi. Do you feel that concerts are becoming a safe, a safe place for LGBTQ folks? I think so. You have to look out for each other. I think it's very much up to the artist that's on stage and what they're representing as to how safe a space is. And if you're a band that gets up on stage and in more or less words says, fuck racism, fuck homophobia, fuck sexism, like, then you are creating a safer space than most spaces. Because ultimately, most bands are touring through the country playing the same clubs. And on one night, you could have a band that's like, 
you know, you could have Kid Rock and Ted Nugent playing one night, and then the next night you could have, you know, the complete opposite of Kid Rock and Ted Nugent playing at a place. <laughs> so, so it's, you have, like, you're entering into these spaces that are just some dirty club, and it's it's up to you to, to foster that safe space and to make people feel welcome and to make people feel comfortable. Yeah, I think you're, I think there's a lot of control, like you said, just coming from yourself and what you're putting out to other people and what you're putting out as band to other people. And even, not just as, not just as musicians and, and like, in a venue and in and, and a show environment, but just, even just as people and, like, from your friends to your family, like, whatever, I feel like whatever you're putting out is what you're going to get back eventually. That's going to be, it's like, it takes time sometimes, but I think, I think ultimately that's, I like to think about it that way. Now, I've mentioned before about Paris and their work with LGBTQ charities. Alternative Press wrote something about it. They wrote, now as Paris works on their highly anticipated second album, along with preparing for a headlining tour in September with Lights, Flint Eastwood, and Party Nails, Gunn also works on making sure that Paris shows remain safe spaces. We've been working with the company called The Alley Coalition, which works in integrating LGBTQ quality into music and art. We have certain organizations setting up like merch tables at our shows and even giving kids the resources and people to talk to one another to create the safe and letting people know that they can be heard and you are welcome. A portion of every ticket sold for their headlining tour will be donated to the Ally Coordinator coalition in support of lgbtq equality we're delighted to be working with the ally coalition vocalist gunn says the promotion of equal rights for the lgbtq community is very important to our band and fan base we thank everybody who chooses to purchase a ticket and join us in supporting the cause looking forward to seeing all of you this fall now more reasons to continue to make shows a safe space is there was another incident of a fan at a show being sent to the er in July of this year, Alternative Press wrote an article about a fan having a skull fracture at a Spite show. It says Spite fan Janelle Dunaway suffered multiple skull fractures along with losing several teeth at a show in Denver, Colorado on July 21st. I spent the entire night in the ER. I still haven't slept, Dunaway wrote on her Kickstarter. I bled for 12 hours straight. Four teeth. I can't close my mouth due to one tooth that's still being knocked so far back and the other one that's there that's chipped they will probably both come out in time one got lost at the venue i caught one and they tried to stick it back in but it failed security footage from the show has been released but it's not clear what's going on due to the quality of the video along with the fact that the footage is in black and white Dunaway posted an update on July 24th, writing that she'll be undergoing at least three more surgeries over the next six months, along with detailing the injuries she suffered from the show. I had my first round of surgery last night. There will be at least three more over the next six months. My skull is fractured in multiple places up into my nose. There were pieces of bone scattered all over the place that I have to have drilled out. I had have my new gum tissue and bone grafted over the entire area. They hammered the two teeth that are still in there into place and splinted them, but they are dead and will have to be removed later. I've never been in more pain in my life. The surgery was the most traumatic experience I've ever been through. I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. I have some temporary fake teeth, so thank God I can at least leave my house now. It's impossible for me to eat with the amount of pain I'm in right now. A vocalist, Darius Tarani, has tweeted out his support for Dunaway, along with these encouraging people to donate. 
Now, I said in all the other episodes about safe spaces, and I'm not going to say don't have fun, mosh, or stage dive, but please be aware of your surroundings. I have such anxiety at shows now because of all the aggressive people who just don't pay attention. One thing that kind of ruined me was back in the day, probably in around 2006, 2007, when I started going to shows, my dad told me about a girl who was at a show and someone crowd surfed and kicked her in the spine in just the right spot and it paralyzed her for the rest of her life. To this day, 10 years later, that has scared the ever-loving shit out of me and is a huge reason I will not go anywhere near where the action is when I go to see certain bands with crowd participation. I am terrified of my teeth getting hit and take it from someone who works in the field. It is fucking expensive to get teeth replaced and it's long and it's terrible and please just stay safe at shows, guys. Now, I mentioned the APMAs where Lynn of Paris was awarded Best Vocalist. However, weeks later, she took to her Twitter to apologize for not being herself. She said, sorry if I haven't seen myself at our shows this summer in the midst of navigating some vocal kinks and have felt very uncomfortable. I try my best not to let outside stress get in the way during shows. There's a lot right now and it's just been carrying over too. I hate that I'm even feeling the need to apologize. Just hope you know you're loved and appreciated at these shows for being such good energy. But the good news is that almost all of the stress is from trying to make this record as perfect as it can be while in the middle of tour. Pardon me, release, I should say. Record is done. The rest is planning and filming for remaining videos. Headline tour plans, direction, etc. Her speech was super humble and short, and I'll play it for you guys from the APMAs. It's like 30 seconds long here. Um, I didn't think that this was going to happen, and everybody who's nominated is so fucking talented, so... Thank you so much. Um, yeah. Thank you. It means a lot. I appreciate it. That's all I got. I don't know. <laughs> no, thank you. Much appreciated. Paris's new record is coming out in less than a week, and I know it is going to be my second favorite record of the entire year, and I cannot wait for it to drop. So another cool article that popped up on my feed on Twitter was the curator for a reading in Leeds Festival calling out the lack of women at festivals is due to laziness in finding women to play them. The article reads, music promoter Melvin Ben has said laziness on the part of the music industry has resulted in fewer female artists breaking through. The old white male industry that we are, we haven't been proactive enough about rebalancing and saying we haven't got enough women here, he said. And that's what's going to be when that's what's got to be challenged after coming under fire for the lack of ladies on this year's reading and leads lineup which he curates ben has announced a new project called Re- rebalance designed to boost the number of female recording artists producers and engineers as well as apprenticeships bands with women at their core are going to be given free studio time after burying my head in the sand for a couple of years i felt it was time to stick my head up and take responsibility he said magicking up women acts isn't easy i wasn't sure what i could do it is an industry-wide issue but i realized i should use my position to do something about it people don't want to see acts that haven't got music out on all the music channel main music channels when i looked into it i found there was insufficient women working in the industry and insufficient numbers of women recording it's the men that have the big headline slots of reading and leads later this month muse casabian 
and Eminem. However, female-fronted acts make it onto the main stage, albeit early on, Deep Valley, Honey Blood, Paris, The Pretty Reckless, and Against the Current. It might not sound like much, but compared to most festival lineups, it is an improvement. Now, speaking of more female-inclusive and fronted bands at festivals, in July of this year, there was an article swirling around about an all-female music festival in Sweden. An article from thinkprogress.org wrote, On Saturday, festival organizers announced the Bralavala build as the biggest music festival in Sweden would be canceled for 2018. The news came after this year's affair saw a spree of sexual violence. Four rapes and 23 sexual assaults that allegedly took place on site during the three-day event, according to um, some Swedish police. I'm not even going to try and butcher that. Sorry, guys. The festival kicked off June 28th and ran through July 1st. Featured acts included The Killers, The Chainsmokers, and Linkin Park. The organizers explained the call to cancel, as The Guardian reported, like so certain men apparently cannot behave. It's a shame we have therefore decided to cancel the Bralavala 2018. But in the news that the festival would be no more, Swedish radio presenter and comedian Emma, I'm not even going to try that last name, I'm really sorry, saw an opportunity. She tweeted, what do you think about putting together a really cool festival where only non-men are welcome that will run until all men have learned how to behave themselves? She confirmed the plan on her Instagram, translation via The Independent. Sweden's first male-free rock festival will see the light next summer. In the coming days, I'll bring together a solid group of talented organizers and project leaders to form the festival organizers. Then you'll hear from everyone again when it's time to move forward. If the rush of alleged assaults at the festival sounds familiar, that's probably because the annual festival saw similar attacks last year. Five women were raped at the festival in 2016, according to local media reports. Headliner Munford and Sons released a statement following their performance, declaring they were appalled and gutted by those hideous reports, promising they wouldn't play the festival again until we've had assurances from the police and organizers that they're doing something to combat what appears to be a disgustingly high rate of reported sexual violence. That same year, Sweden's Poot I. Parkin, Fest saw 32 reports of attacks by boys and young men against female attendees. Most of the victims were under 18 years old. Three were under 15. The youngest was only 12 years old. And in 2014, Swedish police were accused of covering up sexual assaults of teenagers uh, committed by refugees at We Are Stockholm, the largest youth festival in Europe. Now, it is so incredible to see that despite our shitty political climate, cool things are still happening, despite shitty things that are happening, like all of these sexual assaults that's happening at the festivals that I'm sorry that I pronounced all those names wrong. But the last shitty thing that I wanted to address today was the racism directed towards musician FKA Twigs. For those unfamiliar, Twigs has been dating Twilight leading actor Robert Pattinson since 2014. People were so incredibly rude about it and seemed offended that somebody like Pattinson would date a woman of color. It got even worse when she was directed these racist comments to her, just to her face. I couldn't find another source, but People Magazine wrote about FKA Twigs and how she felt about all these comments. It says, while FKA Twigs may be focusing on her forthcoming and highly anticipated EP3 album, the British singer is still dealing with cruel internet trolls. 
I wouldn't say I'm completely numb to it now, but there's definitely a numbness there, Twiggs told Complex of the racism that she's faced online. The star who's covering the magazine's June-July issue opened up about the negative side of her high-profile engagement to Twilight star Robert Pattinson, who's 29. It is pretty horrible, Twiggs, 27, told the magazine, but ultimately I'm in an amazing relationship, so it doesn't matter. Most of the harsh response stemmed from a obsessive patents and fans and began shortly after the couple started dating in september i am genuinely shocked and disgusted at the amount of racism that has been infecting my account the past week she tweeted at the time racism is unacceptable in the world and it's unacceptable online the singer has been fairly outspoken about the new breed of fame her relationship with pattinson has wrought if this is what being an artist is, I'm not really sure this is for me, she told Complex after a day of press interviews. The press cycle is horrific. I could be doing dance class right now. The comments she faced after going public with her boyfriend were documented and shared on a website I believe is called euroweb.com. When I searched it online, it didn't really come up. It's like google.com slash eurweb.com so i'll link to it in the show notes in case you guys want to look at it but it's from may of this year and it says twigs who is english spanish and jamaican descent told the sunday times magazine that she was replying to a fan who had tweeted a picture of himself with a friend who was dying of cancer and revealed the young woman listened to her music soon afterwards the trolls turned on the man and sent him a barrage of negative comments about the women in woman in the picture twig said they all started attacking her within 20 seconds it was just the n-word monkey ugly die bitch all this stuff on his feed it broke my heart this lady who was really sick and is probably going to die while she was hurt by the comments she said it's something her parents have always prepared her for when she was a little girl her stepfather explained that she might be treated differently as a result of her complexion she told the magazine that he said sometimes people are going to treat you differently because of the color of your skin sometimes you're going to have to work 10 times harder than somebody else to get the same appreciation but never use it as an excuse i agree with that when asked by the Sunday Times about rumored wedding plans with Pattinson, Twiggs responded by asking, who told you I was getting married? You might read, you might have read somewhere, I'm a monkey and it doesn't mean I am, referring to a racist, racist online comment, adding that she's not prepared to talk about my personal life. I don't really understand the fascination. In 2015, after the comments were made, Pattinson did an interview with NME where he said, I was talking to my dad about this and I bet him that if he looked up Nelson Mandela's funeral on YouTube, the first comment would be a racist one Pattinson said about internet culture. And it was with like a million upvotes. What I don't get is why. I think it's because most normal people are not commenters. I've never met anybody who's left a comment on anything. It's just demons who live in basements. You have this weird thing where you end up trying to fight against this faceless blob where the more you hate it the bigger it gets because it's all in your head while the charlottesville situation and reality star white supremacists somehow in the white house it is even more devastating to see our country going backwards and us as people and music fans need to do better we need to educate ourselves and correct the way we speak and talk to each other we can do better and we have to there is literally no option so ending with some good news as a as of last week brand new has finally come back in true brand new fashion while dumping a limited vinyl tour dates a record and everything in between all in the span of two days the new record is called science fiction and on day of recording i have heard it is now on spotify after it has not been in the u.s so double check that out one of my friends actually has screenshots that she was listening on spotify so 
Don't take my word for it. Just look it up and hopefully it's on Spotify. Pre-orders are up on their website for the record that is officially coming out in October, even though the entire thing is out everywhere online. It's on apparently Spotify. It's on YouTube. It's on iTunes. It's on Apple Music. It's literally everywhere. I have no idea what's coming in October. But Brand New has been terrorizing their fans for eight years, teasing new music, and I have only heard great things. I haven't been able to fully give it any attention because I've been waiting for it to be on Spotify. I really, I tried listening to it on YouTube and it was weird and kept freezing and I just want to listen to it without stress. <laughs> Paramore is playing a pre-tour two show for Good Morning America on Friday the 25th, same day as Paris's long-awaited album All We Know of Heaven, All We Need of Hell drops. I will not be at the GMA show because of work and the thought of traveling in the city during rush hour on a Friday is literally making me nauseous just speaking about it. Now, I covered a bunch of topics today, shared all the articles I had saved for you guys, and I hope you took something away from this episode. The last band today is one that reached out to me actually a month ago. They're called One Last Embrace, and they are from Miami, Florida. The email had two songs from their latest EP that came out in February called Mechanical Hearts. One was called Clocks, and the other was called Dream Hunter. They were both awesome, but I went to their band camp and fell in love with their song Gold, which is the song I have for you guys today. They also have a cover of Paris's St. Patrick that I'll link to you guys in the show notes. Totally check it out. It's really cool. And before I go, uh, remember you guys can find me on Instagram under Samus Socks, Facebook.com slash Rebel Hearts Podcast. Twitter is Rebel Hearts Girl. And I have officially taken over the Paramore Crew Twitter account where I post more about Paramore stuff than my other account. Email me for anything at rebelheartspodcast at gmail.com. And there's an Etsy link on the SoundCloud page for zines. I will see you guys at the front and here is one last embrace. <laughs> <laughs>